Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. This is the draft report on you, and we, we condense this a little bit. And basically it goes, you know, Tom Brady, poor build, that might be accurate. <laughs> I would probably agree. <laughs> Skinny, lacks great physical stature and strength, and gets knocked down easily. Well, that kind of gets me fired up because yeah. I'm thinking, you know, what the hell do these people know? The Around the NFL podcast will not say Super Bowl today. <laughs> no, we will not although ironically we're talking about the man who won more of those than anyone else and so, added challenge more challenge yeah. from the chris wesling podcast studio it's around the nfl i'm dan hansis greg rosenthal that was mark sessler you heard there and yes that was you know two of the actually legends to me anyway of, of being a football fan there's steve sable who really of nfl films who really taught a whole generation of fans a better way to watch football interviewing, of course, Tom Brady, uh, who on February 1st, 2023, one year to the day after he made his first retirement announcement, does it again. Here is what Brady had to say uh, in an Instagram message that Jim Gray had nothing to do with. <laughs> Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first, so I uh, won't be long-winded. Like you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year, so uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors, I could go on forever, there's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. Unbelievable, Tom Brady, seven suit, seven championships. Oh. Didn't say it. Didn't say <laughs> it. Someone did though, so I don't know if that's a penalty. Seven championships, but obviously the big storyline coming out of this, Greggy, as we go through this again is if you're not breaking this on the Let's Go podcast with Jim Gray, why does that podcast exist? Now I throw it to you. <laughs> I hate to admit that's one of the first things that crossed my mind. Jim, how Jim Gray's mad. Although Jim Gray did get some pop on NFL Network as a guest on NFL Now, I believe yesterday. That's why he's got the to star. Total fair fair trading. Fair trading. Um, but no matter what, Tom Brady uh, and the Let's Go podcast, they're, they're not going to top us. He's coming after us. I love the way he did this, though, with no fanfare. You could hear the emotion in his voice after what we went through last year. And you, you said, Dan, you wanted to make a, a promise that we won't. Oh, if he comes out him again of retirement again, which is, by the way, not unheard of. These great players waffle a lot. I don't think it happens, but we're not doing this again. We not did this again. last year. Yeah. We're doing it this year because he is the goat. But this is it. He's used up his. Uh, right. And lives. we're going to talk to Tom Curran, uh, <laughs> my old my old uh colleague over at Pro Football Talk at NBC, who's now at NBC Sports Boston, has chronicled his career. And he, t he wrote a, a little bit about this, but I, I did think this was kind of the perfect note for a guy who 
came into the league as unknown as possible for a Michigan quarterback and then turned into one of the most famous people uh, in America. And uh, I, I, I enjoyed the simplicity of it as a fan. And as a fan, I have to admit, I'm relieved. I didn't want to see him play anymore. The, the whole reason why I w- wanted the Patriots or thought it was a good move to get rid of him back in 2019 was I thought, man, I just think it'd be depressing to ever see him have a decline. And then what did he do? He went and won a Super Bowl. He, I think, should have won the MVP just one season ago. We saw that decline start for for only one season and i'm glad uh for him that that he's moving on now yeah i think like i i've obviously like all of us just been thinking about kind of the impact he's had on not just our careers but long before i worked here tom brady was sort of just woven into the fabric as the heartbeat of so many different football seasons and it's like if you were 30 years old if you're 30 you don't remember the beginning of his career, probably. You were too young. If you're our age, he's been part of football forever, two decades plus. And I just think about the fact that now and that message that he, I, I love the way he delivered that, um, that we're moving into the phase of Tom Brady, the person uh, beyond Tom Brady, the player. And Tom Brady, the player was always someone who I think found the, found a way. I mean, now we're now we're bathed in this historical view of looking back on what he did and like that comeback against the Falcons. We were there in person to me, signifies who he was, that like being down by that much, by 25 points, to him was an opportunity. To other people, it'd be like, we give up. Like he's someone that just never gave up. And I think now, I just, I, I've thought about him more than I think about like George Washington. Like he's a historical <laughs> figure. He's someone that just is created part of our culture. And, like, GW takes a stray in a big well, spot. Am I you're right. Am I, I, I get what you mean. You're, Pre- yeah. 2000 of course draft, you're right. Though, yeah. Like, yeah. You, before the 2000 draft, you could not get Mark to shut up about GW. <laughs> and now right. it's like, is he even, was he even a president? I don't know. Right. I, I think with Brady too, like I totally get how he played this um, because it was so hard to walk away last year. I think there were obviously outside pressures, perhaps playing a role. We know his personal life, the way everything played out in such a public way. He got divorced during the season. Um, and at, he was coming off a season where he was great. And like Greg said, he could have easily been named MVP. He was atop uh, the leaderboard or near the top in every relevant statistical category. He comes back. He finishes out the contract and he clearly wasn't the same guy this year. And he could, yes, he could have absolutely gotten another starting job this off season. We, we connected him to the Raiders like everyone else. Uh, maybe just the most recent show. We talked about we're at the Niners now that Brock Purdy has a serious elbow injury. And it is like, I'm kind of thankful. Um, even as a, a Jets fan who never liked watching Tom Brady dominate, I a will look back and be grateful that we were in person for the, this legendary athlete. Some of his, greatest moments and B we don't get the super sad season because this past season kind of bordered on that, but it didn't quite get there. But you worry that if you, the sad, you know, sitting on the bench, heads, head down, uh, wearing a Raiders uniform after getting benched, we don't have to worry about seeing that. I hope not anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's felt like this was the season where, and even against the Cowboys in those final minutes, like Tom Brady was like, he probably knew in his heart where well, that was the end. And he still just is out there doing Tom Brady stuff, no matter that game being totally over. I He seemed to have the joy stripped from, from him this season a little bit. It just felt a little different to me. But it's so hard to go out as a quarterback gracefully, and he's done that. Right. Um, Tom Tom pointed out this quote he said back in 2014 when people thought that he was maybe kind of nearing the end. That was that season where they started out slowly. And he said, when I suck, I'll retire. But I don't plan on sucking for a long time. And he didn't suck this year. He was like a average NFL starting quarterback. But for him, I think that was the definition. And that Cowboys game was pretty close to me to that moment as a, as a fan of Brady, just seeing him in that game was tough, but I was, you know, working on a column yesterday that'll come out during the Super Bowl, just like an off season type of column, what each team needs to do. And I flip on NFL network yesterday and they have the Super Bowl against the Rams. And I, and I happened to turn it on right as that final drive was starting. Uh, you know, shout out to J.R. Redmond, by the way, getting out of bounds. Oh, oh my God! Somebody said, said the big game twice. twice. I can't believe it. And let me. And I, I haven't. I haven't been punished in this <laughs> exercise <laughs> in years. What this is, is the terrible. punishment? Here is the punishment. I want everyone to know: we have yet to make our donation to a local Jacksonville, mm. let's say, food bank, but it could be anything. Insert the uh, charity cause. Every time you say it, 
Uh, it's five bucks added to your uh, contribution. Let's so, go fifty. I mean, what's oh, five you're getting bucks? there, buddy. You're yeah. up to ten. I like Greg being punished. Yeah, Ooh. saucy. Go ahead, Greggy. <laughs> so I'm watching that game. Can't believe I blew it. I'm not. I really. You'll do it again. Determined it's not in to your head it. now. <laughs> um, yeah, that J.R. Redmond getting out of bounds. This this whole thing might not happen if that doesn't happen. Troy Brown route of his life, but just the calm Brady had um, in that two minute drill. Reminded me a lot of games this year because that year he was not one of the better quarterbacks in the league. He was maybe not. He was around an average starting quarterback. But when the chips were down in the big moments at the end of the game, he was so calm and knew how to manage everything around me. And I'm watching this game and it's it's Summerall announcing it no longer with us. Mm. It's John Madden telling them not to go to overtime, go for it, saying yeah. go for <laughs> overtime. He's no longer with us. The game's not in HD. Um, Paul Tagliabue, <laughs> who's not our commissioner, is handing the trophy to Robert Kraft with Myra Kraft right next to her. Unfortunately, no longer with us. Steve Belichick is on the the stage there. He's a kid. Mm-hmm. He's he's a kid. Uh, it's in the months after uh, September 11th. They're they're there in New Orleans, and uh, as someone who who had lived there, I'm thinking like this is before Hurricane Katrina even happened. Richard Seymour is there hugging Brady at the end. He's younger than Brady. He was a rookie on that team. He's now like in the Hall of Fame. A grandfather. It, everything about it. It was just like a completely different era of our lives and of football. And Brady was there. For all of it, it was my favorite sports fan experience. I lived out here in L.A. I would watch every game with a couple of buddies. One was uh, a big uh, Patriots fan and and being out here watching that game. And I'm just thinking, like, that was just a totally different time. And yet, at the end of that game, that same, like, thing that made him special to go win that game was still here at 46, winning these Bucks games. He tied his his all-time record for game-winning drives in a season this season with five. Like, that was still there. He's just the, he's the best winner of all time. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, you're mentioning all these people that are no longer with us. I mean, it was nearly a quarter century ago. That <laughs> yeah. That's how long he played at this highest level. Obviously played longer than anyone ever had that wasn't a kicker. Um, he was at the Janet Jackson halftime fiasco. He I mean, was he's there. Been, he's been everywhere. He was there. You know who wasn't there? George Washington. Exactly. Hack. You know All who right. took a, a, no responsibility for any of that? Who? Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> I was going to say George Washington. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You mentioned Tom Curran. He is um, Pat's insider for NBC Sports Boston. He's covered the Patriots since 97. So he's been there the whole way through with Tom Brady. Tom Curran, welcome back to Around the NFL. How are you, sir? Tremendous. Thanks for having me. How's everybody? Good to see you, Doing Tom. Good. We used to we used to work together, Tom and I, back in the day over at NBC. Tom gave me a lot of grief. He's like the funniest guy I know in the biz. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Don't you? Who's your comedian friend? I'm not the funniest guy you know. I said, well, Ooh. in the sports business, it is a it is a common thing. Like our friend Dave Damashek likes to say, everyone thinks they're funny, right. but no one. But Tom Curran with the one liners. Um, well, now and, there's a lot of pressure on Tom. You say yeah, that after yeah, the conversation. Sure. Like this, just, once again, a reminder of how funny Tom <laughs> is. But now Tom exactly. has to perform. Let him drop some bombs in a way. We, yeah. uh, Mr. Curran, thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, you know, how, what was your first reaction when you, you saw you woke up or you saw the Instagram post that he was walking away? First of all, did you buy it this time? And, and B, did it strike the right notes for you? It, I did buy it. First reaction was, there goes another day sacrificed at the altar of Tom Brady over the course of 25 years. I mean, you know how many times it has happened, whether it's the Wells report, you're on your way to the golf course, whether it, <laughs> name it. I can chronicle times in my life when I've been, what just happened? In 2010, he had a car accident right before the opener. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. He's in the midst of a contract negotiation, and Kraft immediately ran over to his house and gave him the biggest contract in the NFL. That was another one. Um, but that was my initial reaction, and I really didn't leap to see what the announcement was. I'm not an early riser, so it was around 8.45. I go, right, what's this going to be? But it did strike, in my estimation, the right notes. And the column I wrote, guys, was basically that this was a Spartan announcement that was self-aware enough for a guy who seemingly has become less and less self-aware 
as he's embraced his brand and self-promotion over the last few years in a way he never had before, he kind of seemed to realize that I can't make this a brand ploy. I can't make this a marketing ploy. I can't be overwrought with this. Let's just say it what it is and move on. So I thought it was good, and it struck the right notes in my estimation. I, I loved what you wrote, and I, I think that there were obviously a billion columns being produced yesterday about the the numbers he compiled and all that jazz. But you talked about Tom Brady, the man, and and after that Spartan comment, I just want to read something that you that you put in your column. You said, you know, in, during that announcement, that he was just a guy who looks tired and bummed out with a lot on his mind. Undoubted, understandably, it's complicated. Brady belongs to America, but he somehow seems to have become a man without a country. Like, who is Tom Brady, the man going forward? I mean, you've been around him more than anyone. Like, what's your impression of who he is and who he becomes at this point? Hmm. I think he's initially he's a very he's a very closed guy whose family is extremely important to him, and he wants to have an enjoyable experience on the earth and do as many things as he possibly can. And I think in embracing those things, especially after he left the Patriots, he kind of drank heavy from the chalice of everything. And now he's realized, okay, I have a, a an ex-wife in Miami, maybe or maybe not. I'm not sure if his kids are exactly there specifically or not. I'm guessing they are. Then he has a, a, a son in New York and um, parents in San Francisco he made his mark here in New England, was here for 20 plus years. He probably has property in Tampa. So he's everywhere. And his family is scattered. His parents were very important to him approaching their 80s. His kids are into their tweens. And all of you guys, I don't know how old you all respectively are, but the ages of 35 to 45 for men can be very challenging because so much is changing so fast and the milestone portions of your life have kind of passed. And you're trying to find what the hell am I doing now with my life? I've finished coaching my kids. Uh, we've already gotten married and looks like I'm just killing time until 80. This is <laughs> so, so real, Tom. This is this is hitting pretty hard right now. <laughs> FYI, across the board. Yeah. says the 42-year-old. Yeah, so that's <laughs> why I'm still playing uh, at 55. I'm still playing men's hoop. <laughs> um, on Wednesday nights, we're seven and one. <laughs> but it's, you've got to find something and you got to find something fulfilling because, and I think that football has filled that void for him, but it's not as fun. And we could see it this year. Mm. I, I, I love that. And I did love seeing some of the social posts from, from players' wives, like Logan Ryan's wife had a great post on Instagram talking about how Brady and and her and their two families and their kids and his daughter like were you can't almost make this up at yeah. like a, at a dog shelter every single week and there's no cameras there there's no people and it's the thing that Brady did because he knows it's the thing that his daughter loves most in the world and and you just hear all these stories and and I I thought of that a t- tweet Mina Kimes had yesterday too just like you you don't hear anyone who's had interpersonal relationships with Brady ever say a single bad note, which is pretty rare. And I do think Antonio that Antonio Brown, Antonio, okay, Brown. Antonio Brown, but even he, when he tried to <laughs> like rat him out for like, look at this guy. And then they showed the text. It was like, Oh, Tom Brady is actually trying to help you, man. Um, he's trying to be a big brother. So I think that can get lost. It reminds me, there was that book by I, who was it? Um, he now writes Charlie for Pierce? yeah Charlie Pierce, and he had a really hard time. He's a great writer, making Brady interesting because there wasn't really much more to it. But you were there at the very beginning, so our listeners might not know this, Tom, but you, I, I think, were elevated in some way in the Boston sports scene because you were so early in on Brady. I, I could be wrong, and tell me if I am. You were, I, I feel like, the first one to be in on Brady. That you said even before he took over for Bledsoe, but especially after he took over for Bledsoe, that like, this is the guy, this is going to be the guy, they are never going back. You used to call Drew Bledsoe the hood ornament. You made fun of Kraft for signing him to the biggest contract in history after two pretty bad years. And you said that was all for show and that it's going to be Brady forever. And at the time, you were kind of on an island. Like, that seemed crazy. And it became a bigger conversation through that Super Bowl year. I guess And Tom built a mansion on that island now. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, (laughs) oh no, who said it? Who said it? Well, you said it again, Greg. I said it again. We're not supposed to say the words of the big game that's going to be played in a couple weeks. What did you see back then, Tom? um, That let you know this, like right off the bat, and like, like that. How did you? How did you see that? What was that like? 
Okay. It was training camp in 2001. He was unremarkable in 2000. He showed up. The Patriots were at Bryan College, which is a small college in Rhode Island. That's where they worked out. And he walked into the cafeteria in 2000 with a backpack on. I'm like, why is that tall kid walking in there? And why is he here in July? Because he absolutely did not look like a football player. By the next summer, 2001, you could see in virtually every training camp practice, Brady outperforming Bledsoe. This is prior to Bledsoe being injured. Um, you can look at the – go to NFL Jesus. Look at the uh, playbooks from those preseason games. You can see the numbers. Brady performing better than Bledsoe in each one of them. So he was outperforming Bledsoe consistently. And Bledsoe actually – played the entire first half of the fourth preseason game in 2001. Mm. They were so desperately inept with him on the field. Then they go into the season. They lose to Cincinnati. They're horrendous in the game that Bledsoe gets hurt against the Jets. So my peeing on that territory with Brady was more linked to <laughs> he can't, he's not gotten any better. Bledsoe's getting worse. And Brady is actually very accurate and very competent. And you talk to more and more people, whether it be Lloyd Carr or his high school college teammates um, or people who had grown up around him, and they said he's going to take over the team. Lawyer Malloy said he's going to take over the team. These were guys who said, you know, we believe in what Tom can do. So I saw it, but it also was confirmed by many, many, many people around him, even in the weeks that he was taking over the job. Um, the – Brady Patriots of it all, obviously during retirement number one, uh, a lot was made that he didn't mention the Pats and all sure. that stuff. And I know that was a huge story up around your parts. Um, now, as we spin forward, like how do you see that relationship? Uh, Pats Brady, like, is there going to be a one day retirement contract uh, or is, is Brady really the type of guy that that was a part of his life? He's moved on and there won't be that type of connection post career. It's what Dan really, really wants as a Jets fan. That's what he's just hoping no. for. That's all he has. <laughs> Here's up, the interesting Brady. thing. I think that, that Brady is extremely attuned to symbolic moves meant to leverage his relationship to the betterment of somebody else. And the symbolism of signing a one-day one contract and retiring as a Patriot, I think will probably go sideways up his chimney the reason being <laughs> he had a chance in 2020 he begged you from 2017 18 into 19 and when you finally sat down and gave him a bogus contract that you announced mm. as a two-year extension and he knew and you knew that it was just on vapor and then the next year in march when he gave you one last chance in spite of himself to do something belichick says we can't do two and 25 each 50 mm. we can't give you the freeze contract he became a free agent. So for the Patriots to now say, can you come back and sign a contract just so you can retire? No, I'll, I'll I'll show up for the red jacket ceremony for the Patriots Hall of Fame, and I'll be there for whatever parade and the statue unveiling. But let's not get to the point where you're trying to make me sign something that I wanted to sign and you wouldn't give to mm. me. Do you think what? that they do you think that they're going to attempt to do that, though, Tom? Or do you think they understand that they maybe didn't handle it the way they should have? I think that they would probably send out enough feelers to understand that that would probably be a bad idea. And this is all hypothetical on my part, guys. Mm. I don't know this. I've not asked anybody if Tom would sign a one-day contract. I did speak to people uh, close enough to the situation to say, can you just put this to bed for me? Tom's not coming to the back to the Patriots, right? This was a week or two ago. said he will never play for the Patriots again. Mm. I mean so, – could you? The relationships are fine. Right. I thought it was crazy when people were throwing that out there. I was like, you do. Yeah. I do not Interpersonally, I think he's fine with Bill. I think he's fine with Robert Kraft. He went to his wedding. But it's the same thing with people who you work with, who you just couldn't work with anymore. If you see him someplace for 20 minutes, you're like, that was great. It's great to see you. Want to work with him? No. <laughs> Could you see him, though, like with Bill Belichick? Because there's, I think some of the stuff that drives me nuts is this. Do Belichick and Brady like respect each other? Are their careers not the same because of it? You know, you've got Jimmy Johnson going out on Bill Belichick's yacht with him and all that. Could you see like the relationship between the two of them turning into something where you look back in a different way beyond the business of the Patriots where Brady and Belichick are out on that yacht and just enjoying the fact that they changed football history together? Or is there something thornier there? I could absolutely see that. And I could see it in a way that we wouldn't find out about it 
until three weeks after it happened. Mm. Um, well, you might, but. Well, I, I might, but chances are I wouldn't because they know that it would go immediately right to telling everybody and they, they would want to be private about it. But I think that they could in the realm of we've shared so much together. We did so much together and we've never had a relationship that is away from football. So Belichick changes drastically. I'm sure you can hear from any number of former Patriots, whether it's been Willie McGinnis or guys who have come through uh, NFL media who were with the Patriots can, you know, have testimony to how much bill changes after someone is not their employee anymore. And Belichick really did that after that game last year at Tampa. He spent mm. 25 minutes after a primetime game in the locker room talking to Brady. So the damn buses back to Tampa had to wait, which is probably Bigfoot in the whole situation and the way <laughs> Bill loves doing, but think about that. So um yeah, I could I could see it, but I just don't think it's gonna be them sitting down and throwing Doritos at each other and gambling on the couch. <laughs> I could uh I could hear That'd from be great, Tom Curran on Tom Brady all day long. I'm curious how, how Tom how your relationship is with Tom over the years. Hmm. Mm. He was pissed at he's pissed at me. <laughs> For what? Did you, uh, did you beat his you remember, uh, basketball team? Is that to get to no, that seven remember, or one mark? Remember before the Bucs game when the Patriots played the Bucs? Yes. Um, so when they were playing the Bucks and Brady was coming back about a week earlier, I was doing all kinds of pre-Brady stuff. Here's the house that he lived in when he was in 2000, and here's this. And uh, I was trying to, you know, do that reporting. So, uh, of course, for the millionth time, I called Mr. Brady. So Mr. Brady's on with me, and, and we're talking, and he said something about the Patriots being wrong. And I said, so do you feel vindicated? Mr. Brady goes, oh, damn right. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's right. And then I said, does Tom feel vindicated? And he said, damn right. <laughs> and of course it went kind of, you know, viral because it was the first pop off before the game. And Tom just expressed to me via email. I didn't appreciate you asking my father to speak for me. Um, I thought you took advantage of him. And I was like, I would never do that to the guy. But uh, at this juncture, I think we'd be fine if we talk, but he's he's not been psyched. I, and that's the thing that I understand about it. I can have a great relationship with him for 25 years, but at a point, if he feels like you're leveraging a relationship in a way that is complicating for him, I get it. Mm-hmm. I do get it. Well, I do you hope know? I do hope you get to the point, Tom, where you and Tom Brady are throwing Doritos at each other. Imagine that, yeah, Tom, about the pro at the Hall of Fame in 2028. Have him removed. <laughs> no, no. Um, Tom, thank you so much for giving us some time. I know you're the busiest man in sports media around your parts right now, so that is much uh, appreciated. And uh, yeah, let us know any updates, any emails you get from uh, the goat. We'd love I'll to keep you guys yeah. posted. Thank oh, you. Yeah. It's been quiet since. <laughs> Let me know if he asks about me, if you see him. <laughs> All right. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. The see great you. Tom Curran never disappoints. Um, good stuff. All right. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Hollywood, something, 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 Hollywood, where your dreams are made and also crushed. It's a tough town. Okay. Um, Before we get uh, to some quarterback talk, we just talked Tom Brady. This is something I wanted to do since really I saw the trailer uh, for 84 Brady for the first time, which if you're not aware of 80 for Brady, what it is, our producer, Justin Graver, is going to give a, a very concise uh, summary of what the film is about. Gravedigger. Yes. Yeah, so the what, film. The, you guys mm-hmm. hear anything? No. Okay. Yeah. Not yet. Ah. Oh, Justin, what's up? Sorry. I thought if you cue me, I don't have to do that. Um, yeah, it's it's a little complicated. Right. Okay. Yeah, anyway, the film is about four women in their older stages who. Octogenarians? Is that it? Yeah, Octogenarians? I think it. Octogenarians. Yeah. First time I've heard that term. 
uh, who really want to see Tom Brady play football. So they decide they're going to make a road trip to see him play road trip. against the Falcons in Super Bowl 52, whichever one that was. Um which ended up being the the twenty-eight. Oh, to you three said combat. something. Oh. Oh. You said something. All right, and just again, an old uh, grave digger is in a a big heap of mess mm-hmm. because not only does grave digger have to, he gets dinged if he says it. Yeah, he gets dinged if he misses any of us saying it and doesn't call it out. So. Right now, he's down five bucks. Greg, all the way down to 15. He's up to 15 in the hole right now. Graver, I, I mean, Graver acknowledged that he, he, this will be the, one of the first episodes in a, in a long time that he's actually listening to what we're saying while it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I tune out. But sometimes. You know, I got to hang on every word here. Sometimes I, I tune anything. out, says our producer. <laughs> you know, I learned from the best. Ricky Hollywood taught me well. Um, anyway, nice breakdown. It's uh, legends of uh, the screen. Rita Moreno, Sally Field, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin. I'm asking you, folks, how much does this movie make in its opening weekend? Because I think it's kind of a fascinating test here in Tinseltown because nobody really knows exactly who the movie's for. Greg says it's for his mother and her, um, I guess, friends or whatever. So if you're uh, if you're a uh, a person in New England, um, uh, maybe a woman in New England, a, a baby boomer. I think it's for my mom. <laughs> How do we have a sound drop for that? <laughs> um, so you have that market cornered, yeah. obviously. Uh, people that are born in the maybe early 50s or so that are women that live in that exact region of the country. How much money will this film make opening weekend closest without going over prices, right rules? Mm. Uh, and we'll figure out what the winner gets. Great digger. We're going to let you get in on this as well. Mark, you first. I will go eleven point eight million. Eleven point eight million. OK, I like that. Can, can I get some some of the Tinseltown music back? Mm. Only better. Go ahead, Greg. Why don't you go next? All right. Um, I did do a little cursory research. I checked in what is a like a football movie. Draft Day came out nine years ago, um, and that that pulled in 9.8 million. Now you got to adjust for some inflation. Back then, that's not a terrible. I thought it would have been lower for Draft Day. I think that this movie will do worse than that, uh, factoring in inflation. Yeah, it will make about. Nine even, nine even. I have for for um, eighty for Brady. Okay, well, you are accounting for inflation. I'm going to account for uh, the pandemic and the decreasing box office. Oh, very <laughs> smart, very wily. Uh, I'm looking at the last weekend's box office. Left behind: colon the rise of Antichrist uh, debuted with two point three million. I feel like Tom Brady is. Um, a Christ-like figure to some, so he'll do better than that, but not much better. Let's go three million. Oh, I've potentially way overshot this. Then I mean, I could be wrong. Three. I'm gonna go that, low. That's an absolute bomb. If that, that's an <laughs> that's a that's an all-time Ishtaris Ishtar Escobar stinker. All right, how about you? Grave is this better? This is better. You you want something cinematic and big and make it feel like you just stepped onto Hollywood Boulevard. Right. That other one was called Hollywood Fanfare, but. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with 4.6 million. Oh. oh, so you boxed in Greggy. Right. That's my whole thing was I just like that. That was the closest I could get to getting a dollar. Basically, I was taking the taking low. Greggy boxed in in a big spot. I think I think Gravedigger is the uh, the Vegas favorite in my mind, but obviously not in your. But guys you know, in most games on the show, yeah. the producer loses. Yeah. So you got to factor that in as well. I mean, I've got to get it between. Three and four and a half. So that's you got a pretty dinged. small window. I'm hating, I'm hating what I did because I, the last five times I've been to the movie theater, there have been about 15 people in there. <laughs> right. It's, it's 80 for Brady. Uh, in, in it's going to be 80 people that go to this movie. In hindsight, yeah, five to six feels like a nice number, but I was trying to get that $1 thing. Oh. Uh, engraver uh, took it from me. But uh, that's how the game's played. Good job. Um, and just to put a button on the Tom Curran conversation, that was great. Could have done an hour on that. One of the reasons we're not doing an hour on that is, first of all, Tom wouldn't agree to that, I'm sure. But also, or maybe he would. He's a good dude. Um, but also, I know some people are kind of braided out at this point. Yeah, you I get do, that. You sure. kind of do that, especially now it's a second retirement. But I think having someone like Tom that 
really, you know, was boots on the ground and had a relationship with all the people involved. And, you know, Greggy, I don't know why you always think that. It's not that question about the Patriots wasn't me like hoping for bitterness between the no, two sides. I was just having a little fun. Yeah, man. like I think I think it's time to. I th- I think he's above a one day retirement. I I don't think that's something that's going to happen. But I would be unfortunate if there's a cold war and that's kind of what their situation is moving forward. But it was a great question, and I know that because it inspired a surprising and a compelling answer. So you did a good a good job. <laughs> Thank you, Daddy. <laughs> hey, let's play a game. Let's well, it's not a game. Let's help people. Let's head into the old. Uh, mm. Imagine like a police station. Now we're talking about old Hollywood. Now imagine an old police station. You walk up the marble steps and you head into the big doors and here you are inside headquarters. And now we head into like the meeting room. Yeah, Dragnet style. Dragnet style. Never saw the show, but I think I get the ref. I mean, it was not on while you were. It was not a vibrant primetime offering during your lifetime or mine. Wasn't. But what we're going to do It was closer here, to yours. Undoubtedly. By a few years. We are going to take a look at the remaining or the quarterbacks of note who are in limbo right now. We're going to... It's a case file study. And uh, we're going to go through the files. We're going to pull the files on these quarterbacks, these mysteries. We're going to try to kind of crack the case on where these Ooh. quarterbacks end up. Tom Brady, pick up the file, toss it in the garbage. Put it in the circular file. Put it in the circular file. What does that mean? Garbage can. Round garbage can. Oh, is that what that is? I never knew what that meant. Circular file. We're filing that away for good. Learning so much in this episode today. Yeah. Um, So let's pull the file open. What do you got? Pull a name, Greg. Pull a file. Uh, let's, Let's start with the guy we were just talking about in the playoffs, Danny Dimes. No, you're pulling the dimes file. Daniel Jones, because this young man. That case is ice cold, see? (laughs) I think is in line potentially to make more guap than anyone in this this filing cabinet outside of perhaps Lamar Jackson. Uh, But Daniel Jones might be a little more motivated to get that money fast. There Mm -hmm. are reports in. New York, the people are throwing out like that he could make $40 million. I don't believe that. Uh, but I do believe that the Giants will believe his market is strong enough that they're not letting him go, that they're going to tag him if at all possible, if they can't get a deal done. Yeah, boss, there's uh, some there's uh, their information coming right out of Giants headquarters that Uh-oh. their GM, Joe, you know, Joe Shane basically said, we want him back. They said they've been consistent about that. It's hard to imagine that they go nowhere at quarterback. They've got nothing when Daniel Jones, I think, over the course of an evaluation season, won over the coaching staff. Don't you think with all this, though, there's a little bit of saying something publicly while also examining what the market could be like privately. Now, I don't know who would be in that market for the Giants. It's probably not Lamar Jackson. And if it's not Lamar Jackson, where's the upgrade? Uh, But Brian Dable has to be feeling himself a little bit after making Daniel Jones look that good and feel like he could do it with different quarterbacks. So I'm not totally ruling out like a a tag and trade here or something surprising. Mm. I don't know. I don't know for don't sure know, that they're dude. there. Does forever. that sound like something the, the Giants the would do? The ownership seems to love Daniel Jones. I find, I'm, I'm yeah. struggling to find another team that would do that. This is this feels to me like the Giants value Daniel Jones higher than anyone else. Yeah. Mm. And I think uh, they see him as a, a talent who was making real progress in the first year under Dable. And maybe they can get him under a manageable contract while also maybe he takes the next step. I think in the, they won't say it. They're not going to say it, but I think the Giants, some of those people in that building are like, we think he could be like Josh Allen. When their we, we owner, believe he could be that guy. Yeah, there there are similarities to Josh Allen in terms of the way the table can use him, but their owner absolutely loves Daniel Jones, the person, the guy, everything. Mm, and that was a big in, um, influence on Eli Manning staying there as long as mm-hmm. he did, was ownership. And that that could be a factor. But you said who would want him. I mean, plenty of teams would want him. I didn't say that. I mean, uh, you said I that they, they, they like him more there. I think teams like the Colts, 
the Texans, the Panthers, the Bucks, the Saints. But I think a lot Saints, of that speaks like the to commanders, the fact, You just never know. A lot of that speaks to the fact that this so-called like carousel of quarterbacks right. gets real stale after two or three names. Yeah, and we and here's the thing: we thought that last year that there actually wouldn't be that much movement. Remember that was the conventional wisdom at the scouting combine that late in the off season. Well, relatively, I mean, it's still before free agency, and then it ended up going crazy, and everyone changed teams. And so I guess I don't put Daniel Jones ahead so far ahead of these other names that like a surprise couldn't be coming. Some of these teams have high draft picks too. I wonder if that could get involved. Like the Giants are one team and they have a coach who can develop quarterbacks that they could get creative if they wanted. I think we got this case figured out. Yeah. Mm. Let's close this case. He's going back to the Giants. Let me uh, dig back into the file here. It's a big it's a big case and it's a tough one because everyone's got their eyes on us on this one. Got to get this one right. We got to got to close this one. Aaron Rodgers. There's so much evidence here pointing to the Jets. There's so much. They're the culprit here. I'm going to put the collar on the Jets on this one. I'm going to give you eight reasons real quick here. Eight. And tell me, disagree wherever you disagree. Okay. Are the Jets openly pining for a veteran quarterback? Yes. Would Rodgers be by far the best veteran QB on the market? Yes. Is there a connection between Rodgers and... No, I would say... If Lamar is somehow available, no, is the answer. If we're viewing Lamar as available, I'm, I would not categorize we'll pull the file. as available. We'll pull the file if yeah. we have to. Yeah. Okay, Lamar, sure. So Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett, is there a connection there? The new offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Correct. Are Robert Sala and Joe Douglas entering playoff or goodbye type seasons for the Jets? Correct. Would, the, would Rodgers give the Jets huge national pop, put them back on prime time? take the headlines from the Giants? Oh, yeah. Has Woody made a big splash since he came back as the acting owner? No, but he's hinted at wanting to do so. Zach Wilson, remember him? Does he have a relationship with Rodgers that's deemed to be close? Allowing the Jets to sell it as not only getting Aaron Rodgers, (laughs) but here's a mentorship for our young quarterback we're not giving up on. Story. That's a yes, but it's like way <laughs> lower yes. than in importance in all the other well, yeses. It's still a yes. It's still At a yes. eight, did Brett Favre come to the Jets via trade, via the same ownership and the same teams involved? You did. History is instructive, Chris Wesley was known to say. Now, is there another team that could come in, swoop in, and make a big play for Rodgers? Absolutely. But I don't think any team is, A, as desperate as the Jets, B, have the need that the Jets have at this level compared to what else is going on with their roster, it just would surprise me at this point if it doesn't happen. Whoa! That's where I stand. Mm, dragnet. Yeah. Uh, you can give them... You, you've got the 13th overall pick if you're the Jets. You've got other assets you can move. I, I don't feel as certain as you do because I think if you're a Green Bay, you've got to work with Aaron Rodgers on some level if there's a trade. And I, I'm not convinced that Aaron Rodgers would see it as a match. Why not? I, I just I, I think the problem and you would understand this better than anyone, Chief, that mm. the Jets have uh, immediately makes them chief. No, like. the Jets have historical issues that I think make them like that override the current hmm. bubbliness around some of their roster positives. Do players think that way, though? I know we think about it that way. Well, I think players what, you mean absolutely that the Jets think, are a, a tortured franchise that has failed. I, I think that if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're very much about your legacy. And this is the tail end of your career. I mean, he's been weighing retirement year after year. And it's like staying in Green Bay from one more year. Fine. You kind of know what you're going to get there. Potentially, the Jets are an absolute raging X factor wild card landing spot for someone like Aaron Rodgers. I hear what you're saying, but I hear what Aaron Rodgers has been saying on Pat McAfee, and I think he went out of his way to compliment the Jets specifically and their talent that they have. And to me, I think he cares more about that, who the receivers are, and I think he'd be excited uh, about the receivers there. The money thing is interesting. The Jets would have to cut a lot of players. Uh, You'd have to pay them, I think it's $60 million this year. There are guys like Carl Lawson... And uh, they're Braxton Berrios. If you pop the hood on their on their team, even CJ Mosley, if they had to make something more Jordan painful. Whitehead. But those guys are all played like 800 snaps. I'm just saying, right. you know, whether but they're I'm saying, great or I not. think I think where they are as a team, they would swallow hard and say, we trust Bob Sala to keep the defense where it needs to be. 
and, and get this guy to save our offense. I think the thing that you have going for you is that Woody Johnson has already said, like, we're ready to swing hard for the best possible quarterback. And I don't think that's someone else we'll talk about. I don't think Woody Johnson is thinking Derek Carr and nobody else in and that situation. And don't get me wrong, when I say this as a Jets fan, I'm not saying like, oh, we, we're going to nail this one. This is a home run. There is a lot of risk that comes built in with this because Rodgers is kind of a weird guy. He raged about Big Pharma. Uh, Woody Johnson, in case you're not paying attention, is, is connected to such a thing. And um, <laughs> in general, you're going to give up a lot to get him. You have to leverage assets, pay him a lot of money, make some hard decisions on the rest of the roster. There's a chance it wouldn't work. But I think me and a lot of other Jets fans have come around on the idea like, but if it did work? <laughs> but if it did? When has this gone wrong? Of course. But don't tell me that if the Jets traded for Aaron Rodgers, they wouldn't be one of the big hype bunnies of the 2023 season. People would be all in on the Jets with that defense and then Aaron Rodgers leading the offense. I love it. I hope it happens. I, I think can- it can happen because of what the, there's one thing that makes me believe it can happen. What about the eight others I gave you? Though? One more. All thing. that evidence. One more. Those were solid I, data was, points. I agree. I know with, it's circumstantial. No, but, yeah. I agree with all of that. And that's why I think the Jets would do it. But I'm thinking... I'm more thinking about why the Packers would do it. Like, uh, why do the Packers want to do this? And the number one reason would be that they genuinely believe in Jordan Love's development. And I do get the feeling over the last year, something changed where they believe he improved a lot in the last year specifically. And that when they saw him on the field, uh, that he was a different quarterback. And when they saw him in practice and training camp, he was a different quarterback because I don't think any of this happens otherwise because they're not trading Aaron Rodgers unless they think they can go win the division with Jordan Love. I don't can think I, they yeah, can you're all, you're, that? Yeah. You're, also, you're also the front office that historically traded away Aaron Rodgers hoping that Jordan right, Love can also, play. They also look at the far thing and they, th- you know, they have mixed just, feelings, but they made a good decision there well. ultimately. My, my piggyback on that is like, I think they might be just a little over it. Rodgers at yeah. this point too. Yeah. Like, that, so that it too. feels like maybe it's just time and you still yeah. have this guy that he took in the first round under rookie contract. It's time. Let's see. The case is still open, but I think I got that one licked. All right. Close that file and we're going to open up another one. But after this break. All right. Welcome back. Mark Sessler. Well, I think this Detective case, Sessler, this file, say. this case that I'm about to uh, drop on your table here. Pull a file. I'm pulling it. I'm opening it. Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. Now we know something. We've we've gotten new. No, when you solve these cases, you just go from tavern to tavern, place to place, looking to find the missing person where he or she might be. And sometimes we get held up at the tavern. Yeah. For reasons that have nothing to do with the case. We're detectives. Yes. We learned yesterday that the 49ers, Jimmy G's current residing place. Oh, Kyle Shanahan openly saying he will not be back with us next year. And I, he I said just, that before. Right. Yeah. The, well, <laughs> the detectives will point out he said the exact same thing last year. I but believe yeah, it. I, I believe, believe it this time. time. The environment is completely different That's Shanahan. This time. He's acting screwy. This time is different. It's like I believe this the way I believe Tom Brady's retirement this time around. Yeah, I think the Jimmy absolutely. G experience in San Francisco um, has run its course. And there is, uh, from our insider, our, our bureau insider, mm. Ian Rappaport, has linked Jimmy G to the Raiders and that the Tom Brady is out of the atmosphere. The Josh McDaniels, Jimmy Garoppolo thing is a possibility, but I, I see one other possibility here too. I mean, A, he money or need or desperation by another team could lure him elsewhere, but something's happened down in Houston, uh, the number one city in the country, according to Detective uh, Greg over here. D'Amico Ryans, Detective San Francisco's Greg. former defensive well, it's coordinator. More against the pl- it's more the players, my sources uh, within yeah, the you have playing community. You've got plenty of sources, and they're actual human beings. We know about that that case. But I think D'Amico Ryans brings suddenly an element where you've got a coach that knows Jimmy G, for better or worse. But I think Jimmy G is really well-liked, obviously, and it's someone that has a chance mm. to take Houston somewhere for a year or two. You've got... Nick Casario, New England's old general manager operating the front office in Houston, who is a pro Jimmy G guy. And you've got a chance to, I think, still make a quarterback pick with that number two pick if you want, but not have to not mm. throw that guy into the fire as an automatic right away has to win on a team that's still building. Detective Cecily, you play by your own rules. That's Sometimes true. you get the job done. I think you've done it here. So. I think you're playing too fast and loose. Hit it. Uh, Graver, I'm open. I'm cracking this case open. Ooh, he's pulling the file from these you. two detectives. Don't work too well <laughs> no, together. It's no. it's not Oil a fun. It's not fun. 
It's good for a television program. Oh, yeah. I'm opening up a different file. It's by the man uh, we like to call Jake Brisket. And I'd like to <laughs> slice off a little piece of Jake Brisket. And That's a dusty file. No one's even bothered to look at that one for years. It's been, it's been well-traveled. It's been around the NFL. That's uh, a cold case. But I can say with confidence Jake Brisket played as high a level of quarterbacking as Jimmy Garoppolo. Ooh, slice me off a piece of that Jake Brisk. This is perfect for it. Uh, and I think he might be a better fit as a sort of mentor and guy that you can put with a number two overall pick uh, in the draft without uh, having a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo who's maybe a little tired of being in this situation mm. where he's, he's mixed and uh, he might not have a job, especially when his old buddy... Josh McDaniels is out there in Las Vegas. I always have believed that Jimmy Garoppolo's career would have been much better in New England. I think he fits in that offense. He's great at the sort of option routes and the things the Patriots offense asks him to do. I don't think he was ever as good in Kyle Shanahan's offense as he was uh, in New England. So to me, this is two cases at once. Jake Brisket makes sense as, as the mentor guy and doesn't even start week one if that rookie is ready. Uh, but Jimmy G makes sense as a true starter that he actually gets his own team again in, in Las Vegas. I, don't, I just don't project Jacoby Brissett necessarily playing to last year's surprising levels in a new system either. Like he, he fit perfectly with Stefanski. And Stefanski, I think the Browns made hard, hard, try, like hard effort to try to re-sign him. Because as their backup, he called him the best teammate he's ever ever observed, Kevin Stefanski. He, he earned like a, that middle type of contract where it's a little better than a backup or it's like extremely high-level backup money. And I, I, I think his, the way he played, I mean, Jimmy G can't stay on the field. Uh, I don't think that would stop the Raiders from going for him, but I think it'd be a weird thing with him in a number two overall pick. Maybe I'm crazy. I, I like Jake Brisket, the player. He's going to hang around for a bunch more years probably, but uh, do we need him to be the week one starter for another team? I, I guess my question would be, has Jimmy G ever played at a higher level than Jake Brisket played last year? My answer well, Jimmy would G be played, only Jimmy in G New England. Jimmy G played well this year. Like, Jimmy, Jimmy G was, was a good awesome before he got hurt this year. But to me, they're the they're like – Similar, they're different types of quarterbacks. I guess I'm pointing but their to their ceiling is very similar. There's not a lot of people that are looking at Jimmy G, other than maybe Josh McDaniels, who sees who he was in New England uh, and think like that's that's a totally different level quarterback. Or New England's old general manager and a coach yep. that spent the last number of years with Jimmy G. We are, still, relationships we are still waiting for more information in Houston. We don't even know who the, the offensive coach. I got to pull up the uh, car file. Mm. This one is everyone's uh, perplexed by this case, so maybe we put our heads together on this one. Um, now, the the initial thought, and perhaps still the overriding thought, is that Derek Carr is a Jet, um, because it does make sense, and you could you could connect those dots. And I would imagine if um, Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay or something else happens, he goes somewhere else, the Jets would try very hard. But I'll throw another team out there. Because I do believe Aaron Rodgers will be a Jet, as I said. So where does Carr go? How about the Commanders? I think uh, the Commanders obviously looking for an upgrade um, on what they had last year. And I know, especially Detective Sessler over there, you're not a Derek Carr guy. I don't think – I'm not necessarily saying that the, the Commanders are going to get Derek Carr and be, like, way better. But I think it's going to be a better quarterback situation than it's been in recent years and that defense with Carr, I think that is a team that can contend for the playoffs. They have weapons for Carr to, they're not sending him into a bad situation in that sense either. Um, Carr to the commanders mm. is uh, some evidence that I'm piecing together. Your thoughts? Here's what I like. I'm not a Derek Carr guy, but Ron Rivera specializes in obtaining veteran quarterbacks who I'm not into. <laughs> year after year. And, like, I think that they are looking for something. I, I don't think you can run back the Carson Wentz experience. Oh, no. I think they they kind of did Taylor Heineke dirty at the end of the year, and I think he's a free agent. I think he wants out of there. Sam Howell is, like, I, w I was a spicy season finale start by him, but, like, that's a project. Taylor so, Heineke might be, you know, a little surprised by how cold his case is on the open market. Maybe he shouldn't leave Washington. Well, I don't well, think I don't he's think going somewhere a as a choice. starter, but, like, he's just not part of their future. But I think Ron Rivera is 
is coaching for his job. And Derek Carr is the, there aren't a lot of options out there. Like, I don't think Jimmy G goes to the commanders. And, and Derek Carr, if the Jets thing goes south, or if it, if, it, if it holds up with Aaron Rodgers, which you believe, I'm not so strong on that, I could see Derek Carr winding up with the commanders. I would introduce the Indianapolis Colts as another option, depending on who winds up there as a coach. Supposedly, uh, or reportedly, according to The Athletic, uh, they haven't given Carr permission to seek a trade yet. There's reasons for that, and I think they make sense. He he's not a free agent. Um, he he signed for three more years, and I actually think his contract and then Ryan Tannehill, if we're going to talk him at all, are assets. Like Derek Carr making thirty-two million dollars this year, and you don't have to give him any bonuses. Like great. Like that's actually on the lower end of starting money. Next year it's forty-one, which is a lot, but you you aren't guarantee you don't have to guarantee him any money. I think you guarantee him like seven of that, which is virtually nothing. So it's just a look see. I don't think he could be asking for a raise or anything. And it makes me think that he's going to get a better offer in terms of trade, what the Raiders are going to get way more than we would expect. If Carson Wentz could get two twos and everyone agrees that they overpaid, I think Carr ultimately will get that much or maybe even more. And people are kind of looking at Derek Carr like they're not that excited. Like, sure. But you mentioned uh, the commanders. I think that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned the Colts. I think that makes a lot of sense. How about the Panthers? That makes a lot of sense. Sure. Yeah. With with Frank Reich. How about the Bucks? That he makes would upgrade some sense. a lot of teams. How about the Saints? He really would. As I was going through this list, even if you take off the teams like the Seahawks and the Giants, who kind of have guys now and are probably keeping them, there are too many teams, not enough quarterbacks, and Carr is sort of threading that needle of a guy who's an upgrade and available. I think he's going to end up... He might. It might cost a first-round pick to get well, that. Well, also, car. who is the bigger winner in the Brady retirement? Because that takes Brady out of the cycle. And I like the uh, probably what happens is Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay. Probably Lamar Jackson stays in Baltimore. Mm. I'm just saying... I, I thought he cracked yeah, the case. Yeah, I well, cracked that, though. But yeah. we don't... We don't we're, I, we don't agree I, I, on Captain, that. I, I'm I loyal. I didn't close... I didn't close... <laughs> yeah. I, I, Captain. Um, I didn't close Wrong that career. case. Uh, but it is something that I, I feel okay. like I got I'm that I'm just one. saying, if, we, if you want to just say that these guys stay home, that Derek Carr suddenly, unless someone has eyes for Jimmy G, which he's a, a tier down for a little bit below Derek Carr, I think, in certain situations. But Derek Carr, to me, becomes the guy that five or six teams are chasing after. Like you mentioned, the Saints, they have literally, like they can't stick with anything they have at quarterback feasibly and sell that to the fan base. They have like Jameis under contract. Andy Dalton is a free agent. I mean, I Both Jameis Winston teams. starting next year after what happened with him and Dennis Allen this year feels absurd to me. Um, one note on Agreed. the timing with Derek Carr. So the Raiders have a deadline here of February 15th to either trade Carr or cut him. And that's connected to a $40 million guarantee that locks in at that time. So um, you can trade for him. They're not going to take that guaranteed money on, I would imagine, um, the Raiders. So they'll probably, what, cut him at that point, right? So I mean, he's not getting cut in any scenario. And I think it's a pretty smart, like, I think the guaranteed money they'd have to give him is like $7.5 million. Yeah. It, it, he was due forty a year from now, and you're right. That would be it. Would be nice to do that, but you can also rework all that stuff. Like you can work with him to kick that down the can, like to kick that can down the road. I feel like that deadline is sort We're of we're two weeks away nebulous. from that that nebulous deadline, but I could see right. that happening absolutely. I mean, these right. these are teams that a lot of these teams also, if they've it's nebulous, if they've identified Carr as the guy they want and they know there's a hot market yes. for him, like they're going to want to try to lock him down, and then they can proceed with their off season plan and absolutely. their draft plan. I think plan. it's already happening in back channels. Like Stafford, it could happen by the end of this episode. Like yeah. Stafford and Alex Smith, he seems like the guy that should be getting done before that deadline. Anyways, you're right. And that's why that puts a oh god because I as a Jets fan like if you if Carr gets traded next week and then you're kind of all in on Rodgers and if that doesn't work out you then got, you're you like nothing oh geez now what do we do Jimmy G Mike White all right one more Mark Sessler Detective Sessler I should say Lieutenant congratulations you've been promoted for my work in this on this on these uh, cases unbelievable all right. work. Ah, that's unfair, boss. You see, <laughs> I've been working just as hard as him. Your time will come. <laughs> I want to talk Ryan Tannehill. Mm. Pop the file. I think the Titans, Mike Vrabel especially, uh, understands that Ryan Tannehill 
is a major asset, especially in an area in an offseason where if you get rid of him, you might be stuck with nothing. Just to to reference the Jets situation you just mentioned, He's it's a not it's not an easy or a natural target for free agent quarterbacks because the cupboard has been bare on offense. Uh, you've got an aging Derrick Henry. There are issues on the co offensive coaching staff, vacancies, all sorts of things. So here's the problem. Vrabel mentioned that Tannehill's future was sort of just up in the air. He, he gave it a non... They, you have got a new GM coming in. You can save $27 million with a post-June 1 cut. You move on into the abyss, into a void, but, but it just feels like possibly the Titans view the Ryan Tannehill era as ending. If they do... There is a landing spot out there that I really feel strongly about. Talk to me. <laughs> Arthur Smith in the Atlanta Falcons. Ooh. Arthur Smith, Ryan Tannehill's old offensive coordinator. I can see that. And, you know, That's why you're the lieutenant. Yeah, Arthur Smith's the guy that like went back to Marcus Mariota like a, to an old love and realized for the second time, this ain't a match. But Ryan Tannehill and Arthur Smith always were a match. They've got the number eight pick. They could use it on another weapon, and suddenly that offense starts to look pretty spicy. They can run the ball really well. You've got a lot happening. Drake London at wide receiver. The tight end that never fit with Marcus Mariota might with Ryan Tannehill. You can start to see something, and I think that Arthur Smith is under a little bit of pressure where you can't just project or hope that Desmond Ritter will Ooh. solve all your problems. I love that, and I love the thinking of him getting traded in general. Just because what we talked about with these other teams, which we, we, we don't really have a beat on, Panthers with Reich, Saints with Dennis Allen, Bucks with Todd Bowles, presumably. I mean, they don't have any quarterbacks right now. Like, the market that will be aggressive trying to get Derek Carr, the same would be true for Ryan Tannehill. And I, I don't think his contract is a problem. And I look at this Titans file. There's a lot of, a lot of dead bodies in there. A lot, of dead, <laughs> a lot of dead cap space right now. A lot of toe tags. This, uh, <laughs> this roster is a little bit of a mess. They don't have an offensive line. They don't have any cap space. Like, I don't know what, I don't see a path logically forward for them. And if ever there was a time to blow it up, it would be with a new GM. And who knows, maybe Derrick Henry's. I mean, we got a detective too. who's been on this Titans case for a long time behind mm. the glass, too. I wonder what his thoughts uh, might be. He has not been promoted to detective. Not yet? Yeah. He's no. still cleaning the bathroom. He's on the, he's on the police. He's in the academy. Seems unfair. Yes. Uh, Cleaning the bathroom. Come on. <laughs> What's up, Great Digger? <laughs> you look at it from the Titans side, G General Manager Rand Carthon came in. His introductory press conference, they said, do you see Tannehill as your starting quarterback next year? And he said, I'm still evaluating that. Mike mm. Vrabel is going to make his decision on that. I'm going to make my decision on that. Then we'll come together and form a consensus and share thoughts. But I think they could get a first for him, and I think they would do it. The fact that he didn't commit to him, I mean, even just like to say it, just to say it the way the Cardinals committed to Josh Rosen before drafting <laughs> Kyler Murray. Like, right. It's interesting. Why not just lie and, then, exactly. and, and not create a story? Here yeah. are some other players that might not be on the Titans. Bud Dupree. Taylor Luan, like this, this could, uh, they, they're a team I'm circling of just like, for they sure, really... those guys will not be on the Titans unless right. they take a pay cut, mm. for sure. Very good. All right, let's leave the station. Let's head to the tavern and have a couple, uh, what do they do? What are like the detectives? They like, they have their shot of Jameson and then a, a Bud Heavy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's weird. I like to. Beer just, in a shot. Greg with know, a glass of milk. Go bunk style <laughs> and just, let's just go to the train tracks. Right, McNulty and Bunk just getting smashed, like just <laughs> wicked hammered down at the railway tracks. Um, all right, let's see. Oh, we got something cool coming up, by the way. Well, we got to where? Uh, where are we going? Uh, what's what's happening next Sunday, Greggy? Remind the people. There is a contest between the Kansas City Chiefs and Damn the Eagles. It. Thought I had you there. I was trying to get you to an even twenty dollars uh, to the Jacksonville Food Bank till, but <laughs> look at us getting out of here, not owing a penny. Yep, uh, but Gravedigger did five dollars for me. Um, do you want to jump up the penalty? You had said earlier that you wanted to. Sure. Okay, so you want to pick. I mean, I, I'm happy. Let's <laughs> let's all donate to the Jacksonville Food Bank. Let's uh, $150 each. All right, so 150 <laughs> per reference. Sure. So that that puts Greg in the hole 450. No, I meant each person. Each person. Oh, but we Mark and I didn't say that. No. Yeah, we got to clean. Why baby. would that? Why would it be an even? We could each donate that, but okay. then you donate yeah, another well, 150 even more. Um, this Either is way, cool. It's coming. We got to get cool. this done. You ready? Um, NFL Plus. 
It's a great um, service that was launched this year. We're going to be on it. Uh, we're doing a Q&A uh, ahead of the big game 57, and we're going to answer them um, and next week in a Q&A show available exclusively on NFL Plus. It's getting posted on Monday, uh, answering all of your questions. We sent out queries on social media. We we asked you guys to to send us your queries. We will now answer many of them. And on Monday, if you check out NFL Plus exclusively on NFL Plus, you can see our answers. Somebody uh, replied, like, why would anyone want answers from these guys? They never get anything right. I saw that tweet. It's like, well, you know, that's kind of not totally inaccurate. But <laughs> hey, we're going to give you to our best of our 17 and four in the lock competition this year. How about that? There you go. Greg brings it back to himself once again. Yeah. This is a uh, this is a trend. Lock it up. <laughs> this is a trend. <laughs> a weather-worn trend. <laughs> it's about me. Uh, what was that uh, seven-foot-four Drew in my ear? Plus dot NFL dot com. If you want to watch it, by the way, and you don't have an NFL Plus subscription, know that right now there is a seven-day free trial. So sign up. You can watch it for free. Check out what else is going on in NFL Plus and you know, stick around if you wish, but free trial available right now. People were also asking, how do I get it? Plus NFL.com. All right. Good stuff. This is our um, not our last show from L.A. We're going to do one more show on Monday, and then we are on aeroplanes to Phoenix for the big game. Fifty seven. The don't say the big game episode comes to a close. Nailed it, Mark. You and I. Um <laughs> Good job. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to Tom Curran for that great Tom Brady conversation. And Tom, please, that's it. That's all we can do with you. Walk away. Heed the call. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.